I guess it started. Um, hello, I am Jimmy, and uh, this is our podcast. I am Hunter, and I am also partaking in the podcast. Uh, and I'm Zach, and I'm the third and final guy that gets to pitch into the podcast. All right, Hunter, you want to... Yeah, so the topic we're going to be covering today is sports psychology. And basically what we found sports psychology is, it's a very vast field of study, um, and it covers a lot of things such as performance of top athletes, and all the way to researching different ways athletes prepare for competition. Um, it really is a vast field, and we all really enjoyed studying it. Um, but there's, there's some specific topics that we're going to be talking about today. And the first one is going to be stress. The second is going to be aggression. And the third is going to be gender differences in sports. So, Hop, if you want to start on, on stress, that'd be sweet. Yeah, so most of, I had a good chunk of my paper that ended up being kind of on stress because I, it really plays a huge role in, like, my college environment for myself and I know you could probably say being an athlete too it kind of mm-hmm. it lets you know a lot but um there are a lot of a lot of really big like points that I, uh, I kind of threw out there uh, there's a big one of like your time management uh, there's a big one that like pretty much every athlete in every sport has some level of stress and aggression and uh, that kind of leads into Jimmy's topic of aggression mm-hmm. but um so kind of what I wanted to touch down on was there's a lot of certain things that players have to do to kind of deal with their their stress and I know here at Heidelberg we have a lot of things that try to help with them you know we have like Owen Center stuff like that yeah counseling yeah yeah, stuff that tries to help us with our stress but it's it's not necessarily off the field stress that really helps the most like uh, there's there's two separate styles that you could say of stress where there's off the field and on the field so on the field the players are really worried about like are they going to perform well? Are they going to perform the best of their ability? Anxiety and stuff like yeah, that. And yeah, if, and then the worst part is if they do have, a, like, a bad game or, like, a bad practice, it kind of sticks with them through the rest of the day. So it's almost like that whole day, you know, for lack of a better term, went to shit. And so, you know, well, and even, like, if they had, like, a bad practice the day before or something, and they, do you think that mindset also, like, travels over yeah, to, from, like, the from, next practice? From what I've seen, it really seems as though, like, it can translate. Like, it's really tough. Like, if you ever think about it, like, if you have, like, a bad day and it kind of, like, runs onto the field and you're just like, ah, like, today just sucked all around. Like, there's no mm-hmm. way I can really bring it out right and it, it, it's tough like I've seen I've seen multiple things uh, in my paper I read a few articles about players that were just like having a bad week or having a bad year and it just doesn't they don't snap out of it it's almost mm-hmm. like you know when a guy is in baseball and he's going through like a slump he's not being able to hit it's just constantly in his head and he's always mm-hmm. stressing about it he's always mm-hmm. worrying about it he's getting so much anxiety over the fact that he just can't perform as well as he knows he should be yeah and um, you know the, it kind of it kind of boils down to a few things um, a, there's kind of lack of a stimulating environment. The idea of like things around them aren't benefiting them the way that they need to. Mm-hmm. So it kind of goes down to like, you know, am I in the right area in which it's going to help me the most and it's going to benefit me the most to say that I can pull myself out of this bad spot? Mm-hmm. And there's been multiple cases of athletes with like, um, you know, depression, anxiety disorders, like like stressors. And there's there's been multiple professional athletes that have panic attacks, mm-hmm. like prior to games or like after games and it's actually like a pretty pretty big idea i mean like do you guys have anything that you've ever like experienced in that sense like you've ever had like a jitter before a game yeah i think a lot of times for me there's just so much pressure i feel like you know pressure to perform um pressure to, to play well and, and if you don't it causes that stress and then it just continues to eat at you and causes you to play bad the next game so like for mm-hmm. me i feel like there's a lot of like pressure on my shoulders to perform and to execute the plays that yeah. my coach you know, needs me to do to, in order to win the game. Yeah. But I feel like that pressure, especially like for professional athletes, 
I mean, it's real. This is they're playing for their for their money for their families because they yeah. don't perform. A lot more they're not mind. getting that paycheck. So yeah. I feel like pressure plays a huge role in the stress. It, yeah, and it's kind of odd because it almost it it seems like that pressure is really just self inflicted because mm-hmm. it really where is it coming from? Like yeah. it doesn't have like a, like someone isn't on your back saying you need to do this right. You need to fix this. There's like a little bit I think to the fact that like you like you put more on yourself but also you kind of think like well I don't want to let down my teammates yeah. I don't want to let down my coach yeah. so it, there is like outside like factors mm-hmm. I think like playing into that a little bit yeah. but it more or less is yourself because if you really think about it like unless you do something like tremendously bad yeah. your teammates aren't going to sit there and be mad at you for doing something yeah, wrong or slipping definitely. up a little bit or yeah. you know and as long as you're trying they, they'll sit there and understand you exactly. know what I mean because yeah, everybody makes mistakes unless you're J.R. Smith and you can't watch a shot clock that is true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Cost the Casa finals. Yeah, yeah and then and then it, and then it rolls into you know pissing your teammates off and getting them mad, and yeah, that just goes exactly. right into aggression. Well, that's true. Yeah. Um, so I focused a little bit more on aggression, um, and so what aggression could be defined as is an intentional, intentional, physically or psychologically harmful behavior that is directed at another living organism. Um, so it is obviously a negative trait, um, you know, unless you're crazy uh, and you like to be mean to people um, but so how this could be related to sports psychology is in a lot of the content more contact sports like hockey and American football um, the uh, aggression is like a big key factor of how the game is played and so what a lot of the studies like Keeler um, what they were looking at is how the aggression um, becomes a problem off the field as well as on the field um, so the reason why uh, aggression can be like looked at like this is because like the goal orientation in the sport, um, moral reasoning, and gender actually plays a part in it too. Um, so, what I would look it up is like there are the people who played contact sports and experienced more collision hits actually were studied to have more aggression shown off the field um, or have higher levels of aggressiveness um, outside of the sport and. Um, this, this was studied between uh, sports like soccer, uh, baseball, and basketball, which aren't collision sports, and like collision isn't like an, part of the integrity of the game, um, but where football and hockey it is, so like the goal of the game is to hit somebody as hard as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it's, uh, so in this study done by Kerr, Evanson, Rosamond, Mihalik, oh, I don't even know how to pronounce this other dude's name, <laughs> and Marshall, um, they, they did a study of 797 college uh, participants and 40% of them reported at least having one concussion. Mm. And so, you know, when you're looking at that, and the, well, they, they, they were all participating in collision sports, but when you look at that, concussions can sit there and, you know, attribute to the, the, the level of aggressiveness yeah. and stress too, you know, yeah. talking about your topic. Um, and so when 40% of 797 college athletes who participated in collision sports, uh, they, when 40% of them have a one, at least one concussion, that will definitely sit there and bring the levels of aggressiveness. Yeah, up. that kind of throws up like a red flag if you, if you really think about it. Like, <laughs> I mean, obviously people that are playing sports where you're, you're pretty much supposed to be aggressive and you're supposed to be hitting people and you're supposed to be like trying to like do, like be the more dominant player like on you know whether that be on the ice or on the turf mm-hmm. it really kind of translates to a level of aggressiveness and like when do you know to cut off that aggression like right. when do you know when to stop well and even like it could become a problem on the field I mean like 
there, there's times where you need to sit and on the ice, but there's times you need to sit there and, you know, be level-headed. You can't just be yeah. sitting there wanting to, you know, Kill destroy someone. somebody yeah. every single play. Like, there's more to it than just hitting. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you guys both play lacrosse, yeah. I mean, and that's not really a collision sport, but there is a lot of contact yeah. in yeah. that. Do you guys think that there's been, like, any, like, overuse of aggression? Like, when uh, you guys are, like... I think it's interesting because sometimes there's... You might know a super nice guy, and then you see him on the field, and he's just, he's just the most aggressive guy ever. So yeah, it's, it's just kind of it's interesting to see how just once you're on that field, the mood it's just like a light switch. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, like, a, on. it's like a totally new person. Yeah. Like I've seen that a lot of times where you'll run into guys that are like you know the nicest person <laughs> that would do anything for you outside yeah. the, outside the turf, and then out of nowhere, as soon as they get on the field, they're hacking away at you with like an axe. Yeah, right. and in lacrosse especially, like it's definitely contact, but like. If it's not control, you can get penalties for it. Because obviously, yeah. there's times where you're just whacking and whacking with yeah, someone with a stick. There's, and there's also like a level of like you know like like I don't want to say finesse, but like you have to be smooth. In exactly. Your play. Like you have to yep. be like under control and you have to be like calm to be able to like recognize the field and know what's going on around you. Because yeah. if you play, you know, like balls to the wall, like your you know your ass is on fire, then you're not going to do what you need to do in exactly. the right time. Yeah. Yeah. But. Um, Exactly. Like, I've had the same experience. Like, super nice guys, but, like, on the field, they are crazy. Um, But I I mentioned the gender differences in this. Um, So another study done by Keeler uh, said that men or, yeah, males were showed a more positive correlation. There was a positive correlation for uh, both genders of uh, aggression being shown outside of their uh, sport. Um, but there was way more numbers shown for men to be uh, using their aggression or showing aggression in their daily lives um, mm. after the sport is over with. Um, so if you want to talk about the gender differences. Yeah. Well, just to kind of comment quick on that, I feel like a lot of times women, they, they are aggressive when they're playing, but then after the game, they're able to calm down and kind of like, yeah. go, like be normal. Collect themselves yeah. a little exactly. bit. I feel yeah. like a lot of times men, they kind of keep that aggression going yeah. throughout the day and that that can sometimes cause problems yeah. um but yeah so looking at some ge- uh, gender differences especially specifically in coaching um a lot of coaches feel like they need to switch up their techniques when they're coaching male and females um a 21 time national champ uh, women's soccer coach anson dorrance um she reinforces this view um she references her experience by saying um in coaching women there's more of a need for ego boosting but with men, it's more of ego busting. So there's there's this idea of building up women's character and building up um, their strength because a lot of times they lack that confidence. But with men, a lot of times they already have that kind of cockiness, arrogance to yeah. them, which is good. But sometimes you have to break that down in order for them to be humble and play yeah. a good team game. So I don't know if you guys have any experiences um, with coaching. I, I don't know, Hop, you worked at a summer camp where you were coaching yeah. kids all the time. So how did that look when coaching – um, boys and girls. I know. I know it was really interesting. Uh, the idea is kind of mostly. It seems as though coaching the younger kids is definitely a totally different perspective. Because mm-hmm. like, if you're coaching, like, I know for a fact I coached uh, from like eight to ten year olds up to like you know freshmen, sophomores in high school, and it was definitely a big like a big sway because the younger kids were really just excited to be there. They're having a lot of fun, and like you really needed to like boost them up and get them excited. And like that was the same for the boys and girls. But once it got older, the idea was mostly like the older kids were just like, oh yeah, I'm the best. I know I'm mm-hmm. the best. And you kind of got to like knock them down a peg and mm-hmm. be like, you, you can't play like that. Like don't get me wrong, play like the best. 
but you got to understand that you need the rest of your team to play and you right. need to it's be not able an to like high sport. Yeah, it exactly. Matter really what the sport is. It's I mean. the most cliche statement, but there's no I in team. Yeah. Like right. And then the thing with the girls is like they get it, it's it was so interesting because like the girls really get down on themselves. Like if something mm-hmm. goes wrong, they get so down. More like more like emotional, not so Yeah, much more really. emotional. So you really got to be like, yeah, you're like you're doing this right, you're doing this right, you're doing yeah. this right and like Positive all of this is looking good right. and all you got to do is just bring it together. And then with the boys it's like, "All right, look, you're messing up here. Fix it." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did find that actually that more positive re- like when I was looking up gender differences as well I did find in studies that like positive reinforcement was actually done more for uh, or by coaches that were coaching women um, yeah. because they seemed to respond to that better while more like authoritative or whatever you, I don't know what kind of yeah. style you mm-hmm. want to call it yeah. for men but it, it was more direct it was yeah. more like you're doing this fix it now yeah. um, that was that and more confrontational type stuff um, that was shown to be more like positive or you know res- men respond better to that yeah. than the than the women he has like a stronger response yeah yeah so i definitely think there's a difference there and i've coached you know uh little kids before in football <coughs> yeah. like probably around the same ages just not freshmen yeah um but definitely like i think that uh for guys like there's like well i mean i only coach football but mm-hmm. just there there's a different mindset like i there definitely is and like especially if like a, if like you're coaching a like a guy a little kid like a boy um, I think he has to, he sits there and he believes like if he has a little bit of talent that he is the best. Yeah. He, like you do got to knock him down yeah. like a peg. Not like really like yeah. some dude, but like you got to let him know that it's more important. It's bigger than just him. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So yeah. I definitely think that I've had no experience coaching you know girls before or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I have like an eight year old sister who plays softball exactly, and stuff like yeah. that. And, I definitely agree that like she gets down on herself a lot more and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, not that boys don't and not that boys haven't. Yeah. But I feel like it's more common for uh, like like a, a younger girl or something to stress out and like be more uh, down on themselves yeah. if they do something wrong yeah, or absolutely. something minimal. Because I also feel like they that like the idea of. Uh, Teamwork is almost more instilled in uh, girls than boys, mm, just yeah. because yeah. of the experiences I've had with like guys want or boys wanting to be the, like the one. You the know hero. What I mean? Yeah, the hero. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, um, we have. I think we have a little bit of time if we want to go into pregame rituals just real quick. If yeah, you guys can touch on it. Yeah, a bit just if you a little want. bit. Yeah, we can it's do kind a of a cool bit, little yeah. interesting topic. I know. I think the coolest part about pregame rituals is it kind of brings like all the three topics that we discussed kind of brings them together because mm-hmm. every person is different. So yeah, they use people athletes mostly use it as you know a way to cope with stress, a way to kind of channel their aggression, and it's different in men and females. Yeah. So obviously, it it kind of encompasses all these ideas. And I think the the most interesting thing is that every person has. So so many different styles of pregame ritual. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you see guys in what is it like uh, Hawaii doing like the haka and stuff oh, before yeah. games. Yeah. yeah, they do like the big group like, yeah. chants. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about. And then there's uh, I'm trying to think what else. Like you know, watching Space Jam when you're a kid, Michael Jordan. Yeah. he's got to have his North Carolina shorts yep. underneath yep. his shorts. Yep. And, yep. and then the movie Major League, um, oh, one guy yeah. who has to worship his bats yeah. and has to wake him up. Yeah. What, what was uh, what was the name? I totally forget. <laughs> I know. I yeah, love it, like, but I totally say, I must wake up. The bats. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's dude. That was that movie. That was a good movie. You yeah. can't deny it. I know. There's there's a lot of like. So do, do you guys have any like pregame rituals that you can that you bring to tennis or something that like you have to yeah. do before games or else you feel like you're not going to play to the best of your ability? Um, I don't. 
I don't really have anything too ridiculous. A lot of mine is more just the music I listen to. I usually start off the morning right when I wake up with nice orchestra music. I really, it just helps me to calm down. That's pretty cool. I respect that. And then as I get closer and closer to the game, my music starts to get more and more aggressive with like rap. Up I start tempo. exactly. Like, yeah. So you, so you kind of like start low and just exactly. work your way I work up to the my game. Way up. Just so I'm not like super hyped right when I get out of bed because I need to be able to control my emotions Focus up into that yeah. game. That's pretty so, yeah. cool. I don't um, have anything too crazy. Well, yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, uh, in high school, I don't really do so much anymore. Um, I mean, more or less, it's just kind of like like. I don't know what brace I wear or something like that. Yeah. You know, make sure yeah. that I'm prepared for the yeah, game, true. but it's not so much a ritual. Um, but in high school, I remember I uh, always I always had a, bought a two pack of Reese's cups for <laughs> halftime, okay. and then I uh, I gave the other Reese's cup to one of my other teammates that was like younger than me. So I kind of like it was just like it was somebody it was something that uh, one of the seniors did when I was younger. Okay, and he gave me one of the Reese's cups, yeah. so I kind of carried yeah. on the tradition. Yeah, yeah. that's just kept it going. That's pretty. Yeah. Cool. You know, so uh, so you know, you bought the two pack and you eat one, and yeah. I gave one to another. Kid Do you think if you with. didn't give that Reese away, would you have played? Would you have had a bad game? Yeah, would it be different? No, I don't okay. think so. I think it was. I mean. It was it was a ritual definitely and yeah. I don't but I don't think so much it was for the fact of like it was it was increasing my performance. Okay. I think it was more of like a bonding thing than anything yeah, else, okay. you know, because I was giving it to like the younger. It was kid. more like forming that relationship. Yeah, exactly, is, and I hoped he passed it on yeah, once yeah. I graduated. Just it was something. You now, know now, now you have to go back and visit to be like, all right, where's the Reese's cup? Right, where's the Reese's cup? <laughs> <laughs> like, what would you do with it? Right, yeah, but it was at halftime, so like it wasn't yeah. really like a pre-game, yeah, true, but yeah. it was still a ritual that yeah. I had. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, did sense. you have anything, Hop? I I'm not gonna deny uh, it. I definitely do have pre-game rituals. So mine's really weird. Like it kind of goes off the Reese's cup. I uh I have to eat just garbage food before the game. Like I'm not even kidding. Like it has to be awful food. Like I'll sit there on the bus the ride there eating fruit snacks and candy and like that's not garbage and like Doritos. Oh, like it's Doritos. Just, just I've seen this happen. Yeah. I've seen and I just have a bag just, of snacks. Yeah, I just pig out on the bus <laughs> like it's my job and it's bad. And like it, my thing is like if I don't eat any of that stuff, I totally feel like I'm gonna play terrible. And wow. it's just, it's just, I don't know what I have in my mind about eating this bad food that it's going to make me play better, but it just, <laughs> I have myself totally convinced, because I started it like freshman year of high school, because some dude gave me like a candy bar before a game, and I had like an amazing game, and I'm like, all right, it's this, yeah, it's, it, it's right, the candy, yeah. like this is why I'm playing so well. Yeah, but that's a perfect example as to like pregame ritual, I mean, because like, even I found it like a research, like the number one reason why people do the pregame rituals is to like reduce pre or performance anxiety, yeah. really, I mean, so yeah. like the stress, stuff like that, so. So, you know, you do one thing and you have a great game after yeah, you do yeah. that. Yeah, and you're like, I have to do this every yeah, time yeah. or I'm going to have great games. And if but, you don't do it, then you have that. It's on the back of your mind. Oh, true. I didn't yeah. do it. I, I don't yeah. know if I'm going to play well. I've had that so many times where I, like, I missed eating something before the game. And I'm literally in the back of my head while we're warming up. I'm going, like, I'm going to play bad. I can't. Yeah. I didn't eat that. I didn't uh, have I didn't have my Snickers peanut butter squared. So now I'm going to play <laughs> awful. I didn't eat those six Mexi melts from Taco yeah, exactly. Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play terribly. <laughs> Yeah, so no, I mean, I, that's definitely, like, a good example yeah. of it, you know what I mean? And the music, too, I mean, to yeah. be honest. But, like, it's, like, it's not like you have it. Your, his is more specific. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's like pretty, you know, night and day yeah. if he yeah. doesn't eat this junk food. Yeah. Yours is, like, I can listen to music. Yeah. Like, if I miss out on, like, Beethoven's Sixth Symphony, yeah. it's not it's like, like that, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and like, obviously you can change up the songs. Exactly. I, it's not like it, I like, listen different. to the same song. It's just that specific genre mm. it would just be weird for me if i were to wake up and all of a sudden i just start blaring rap oh, right. it would just be yeah. weird for me to wake up and do that i need to have a, like a nice soothing yeah and then work my way up to that you know yeah. more pump it's like, up, it's like up one of those like movies just when everybody wakes up and there's like birds chirping and that nice little <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah i got that but um 
Well, that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. about everything. I, yeah. I think we got it. So, yeah. so uh, thank you for listening, even thank though you, you really didn't have much of a choice. Um, and we're out. Have a good day. See ya.